This is The Business Machine. We talk with small business owners and entrepreneurs to get their advice on how they run their machines. These inspirational leaders share with us some of the tools they use to run their machines and talk about some of the mistakes they made along the way and what they learned. As business owners, we're all trying to fuel our machines, create a great team, and put tools in place so that eventually our machines will run themselves. So get ready. Up next, the business machines firing up. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of The Business Machine. As usual, I'm your host and owner of Michigan Creative, Brian Town. How's it going? I'm glad to have our next guest here. Really excited. Something that we can all relate to. It's about food and eating too much food and being fat and unhealthy and a bunch of good stuff. But Susan Pierce Thompson, Dr. Susan Pierce Thompson is here today. She's a psychology professor. And you guys know I've other I've interviewed other psychology professors and psychologists on here. And I get worried because I think they might find out that I'm a psychopath. But we'll see how that goes through the rest of this. So a brain and a cognitive scientist, an expert in the psychology of eating. She's the president of Institute for Sustainable Weight Loss and the CEO of Bright Line Eating Solutions, a company that is dedicated to helping people achieve long-term sustainable weight loss. And her program uses cutting-edge research to explain how the brain blocks weight loss. And every day she teaches people how to undo that damage so they can live happy, thin, and free. And that's what we all want. Susan, thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks, Brian. It's so good to be here. So Bright Line Eating, I want to talk about your book. Um, uh, Esther sent me the book, and there's a lot of great stories in there about people that really uh, changed their lives. And, and I know you went through changing your life, too, to get where you are today. But let's go easy a little bit. And somebody comes up to you in a coffee shop and says, Susan, what do you do? What do you tell them? I tell, I tell them uh, I uh, show people how their brain blocks them from losing weight. That's my... That's my pithy response. <laughs> so, it always gives a, it gets a little iris, eye raise, and then they're like, "Oh, uh, yeah." Like, <laughs> well, some people are like, "Well, how does it?" <laughs> yeah. yeah, and to me, okay. So let's talk about that for a second. How does your brain do that? But also, you know, it seems like there's one more thing that we can do to lose weight. Is it is it more than just, "Hey, man, exercise and eat better"? Is there more to it than that? It, does that not work? Um, obviously, we know the answer to that question, but. Let's talk about yeah. the brain piece. Let's talk about the brain yeah, piece. It and, really and, doesn't work. Right? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. Yeah. You know, of, the, of the obese who are trying to lose weight right now, there's 108 million Americans at the moment spending money trying to lose weight. And uh, 99% of them will not get thin. Of the 1% who do, almost all of them will gain the weight back. So what people are doing is absolutely wow. not working. I used to be obese. I've been a size four for almost 14 years. That puts me in like for those for guys if you don't know what a size four is it's it's petite and uh it means you know my waist is 26 inches and you know whatever like i'm a small lady now yeah. and i used to be obese and that puts me in the top one one hundredth of one percent of successful weight loss maintainers like it almost never ever 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 happens that so it, someone goes from obese to slender and keeps it off really yeah almost so, never so what about that person out there now there's different levels of obese and I think you know we've all heard that body fat index and those kind of things or body mass index too or you know some people are considered obese but they're really not. So somebody out there who's listening who's maybe not obese but definitely out of weight overweight and I know I'm 43 and uh, I think that's right. Yeah, 43. And uh, I was getting to the point in my life where I was like, all right, I'm gaining five pounds a year, 10 pounds a year. And I was definitely getting overweight. Um, and it was hard. And it was really hard to drop that 10, 15 pounds. And it's still hard today to keep it off because what happens is it's easy to go downhill. It takes a long time to lose that weight, but it doesn't take very long to put it back on. So it has yeah, to be something. That I mean, is one of the most unfair it like, is. asymmetries in the universe. Like, it's I'll so go, true. I'll go you and I'll eat. You can sweat to lose that weight and then you get it back just like blinking. Yeah. And all I, <laughs> all I cut out was, and I'm in pretty good shape, and all I cut out was, um, I don't know, like uh, pretzels and Skittles and sugars and things sugar like that. Pop, You know, nothing sugar. too bad. Oh. Yeah. Mostly sugar and flour, right? yeah. like you talked about. And yeah. uh, over the course of the last year, I did pretty good. And then a couple months ago, it's like, eh, you know, some pretzels, some sugar here like that. It didn't take long. I mean, it, it was like, gosh, now I just don't feel good. And so what is it? it, it sugar and flour. It, yeah. But so what, what makes us want to do that? I mean, it's a craving. What I just call is a craving, but there's something I'm missing. Well, it's a craving because those foods are drugs. So basically what you're probably missing is a really, really clear understanding that we have a lot of drugs in our food supply now. They're not foods. They're drugs. Right. Um, sugar and flour are drugs. They're like heroin. They're like cocaine. Those those white powdery substances um, were adulterated just like 
the way we'd adulterate poppy plants and coca leaves to turn them into heroin and cocaine. Wow. And um, they, they affect the brain the same way. What they do is they flood the nucleus accumbens in our, you know, pleasure reward addiction circuit. They flood the nucleus accumbens with way too much dopamine. And the brain is savvy. It knows that's too much. And if, it, if we keep flooding it, it'll go, whoa, that's excessive. And it will result in those dopamine receptors downregulating, which it. means thinning out, becoming less numerous, less responsive, so that when we eat a donut again or we eat a handful of pretzels or a bag of Skittles again, um, the flood will come and the brain will have a moderate response like it's supposed to to uh, our foods. It sounds very similar to like I, we watch those shows and being the teacher, unfortunately, I had a lot of people that I knew that had addiction problems, um, but it, we watch the shows like Intervention and they talk about with heroin in, in particular, they talk about they, they do it once. Um, or crystal meth, and then and then they're like chasing that next, and it never feels as good as the first time, and they never get to it, yeah. but they always try. Is yeah. that that sounds very similar to what you're talking about? Yeah, and I, you know, I don't know. I mean, we we could go there if you want, but I used to be addicted to crystal meth. Mm -hmm. I used to be addicted to crack cocaine, um, and I don't mean like a little bit. I mean like dropped out of high school, lived on the streets, call girl, the whole nine yards, yeah. like serious addiction for years and years and years and i know what addiction feels like in the brain and i'm telling you sugar is worse and it's harder to kick that's amazing that's worse. it just doesn't make sense i mean i've heard that same thing several times before but and and the problem is i think and talk a little bit about this is how we're wiring our brains and we're wiring our children's brains at a very early age without even realizing it right the the, the dude you have no idea 60 <laughs> percent of american one-year-olds are eating candy every day yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. No, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. And the first foods we feed our kids are is flour. The moms are taught to to mix like a a, a cereal sure. into the bottles. That's that's uh that's rice flour. That's straight up flour right there. Sugar and flour. So it, it, the obesity problem is huge. The food problem is huge in this in, in our country. But what are we going to do? I mean, uh, how is that? How is yeah. that ever like the rice cereal to me? Like I have four children, and that's what we did. I mean, that's the very next thing. <laughs> That's exactly. exactly what we did. And now I'm going to go home and hug my kids and tell them, I'm sorry, I'm a terrible father. But they'll agree and go, yeah, you're not very good. But um, they, That's uh, why yeah. they're probably hurting you. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. When you don't serve mac and cheese for dinner now. They're throwing a fit, right? Like yeah. they're, they, you know, they won't eat real food now. Huh. Yeah, no, right. So, yeah. so how do we, what do we do? I mean, how is that? How do we make yeah. those change? Okay. Let's say we can't do anything to fix the whole damn country. Okay. We'd like to, we try to every day, whatever. Um, you're trying to with your book and try to reach as many people as you can. You've, you know, you've seen it, you've been there, you've been in dark places and now you're trying to help others. And so we're doing what we can. Yeah. So <laughs> what can we do today to reverse this and to get us on the right path? Maybe we are obese. Maybe we're not. What do we need to do today that we can do? Cause it sounds scary yeah. to change my diet. Not, I eat yeah. pretty good, but boy, that's a scary thing to talk about. Yeah. Well, someone's gotta be really willing I actually will say I'm not on a crusade to help every obese person or every overweight person. Okay. I'm on a crusade to help the people who are really, really, really willing to do what it takes because it's not an easy path. I have no panacea. There's no like quick fix, but there is a roadmap out that works. And, you know, if you're willing to pony up, you know what I mean? You got to be willing, you know, if you want to keep eating ice cream and pizza and chips and chocolate, I can't help you. Yeah. But if you're willing to put down the drugs and quit, I can show you how to do that. And I, and the trouble is quitting in this food culture is hard with the range of cues that we've got to eat those foods, the range of situations where we've habituated ourselves to eating them and the strength of the addiction and so forth. It takes a really um, coordinated approach and a, and a system sure. to actually get out of the mess. So my people are people who are actually willing to stand in the corner on their head and eat shoe leather. Like they don't care what the fuck I tell them to do. They just want <laughs> to get, they want to get thin and stay thin. They're done. They're yeah. done with it. They're, it. they're maybe facing brutal health problems. They've been trying every diet under the sun. Nothing works. Many of them have, have quit, um, trying to lose weight a long time ago. They've given up. Um, but their heart's desire is still to live in a right-sized body. And what I relate to is, you know, being being overweight when you sort of feel like you should be a slender, fit, healthy, vital person is torture. It's 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 the worst torture in the world to have to show up with layers and layers of fat on your body um, and face the world in, um, you know, under that under that mess. 
um, it's awful. It's just awful. So I still haven't answered your question. I, I want I want you to know that I I hear you. you're saying what do you do? Yeah. And the answer is well you got to read my book. Um, but it's because it's not like one simple thing. But first of all, you need to take the addiction seriously. Like if you if you're smoking three packs a day, and you need to get healthy, and you've got emphysema and lung cancer, you can't go on a nicotine moderation program. It's not going to do it. You need to quit smoking. So that's the first thing is you need to throw up what's called a bright line for sugar and flour. A bright line is just a clear boundary that you never cross. It's a legal term originally. Right. Um, you know, and if someone's going to quit smoking, they're going to have a bright line no for cigarettes. I, I ask people to have a bright line for sugar and flour. And then what I tell people is the good news is that will actually make it a lot easier. Sure. In yeah. the same way that you would be torturing yourself on a long-term basis to try to smoke a few cigarettes a day instead of 60. Um, you know, and ultimately you would get free if you tried to quit, right? You would ultimately, being a non-smoker is a doable thing. Um so in the same way, being someone who doesn't eat sugar and flour is actually a very doable thing. I know it scares the bejesus out of people, sure. but it's totally doable. And you get free that way. The brain heals. Um, if you try to dabble, the brain will not heal. The, those dopamine receptors will never grow back. And then the other big system in the brain that we didn't talk about yet, which is that baseline insulin levels have risen, and that blocks leptin in the brain. Leptin is the hormone that tells you you're full and you want to get moving. So with leptin blocked, you show all the physiological markers of starvation. Like your body will not allow you to eat less food in the same way it won't allow you to hold your breath while, while you're running upstairs. It just won't let you do it. It demands the food that it thinks you need. Huh. Um, the, the difference is that the food demand happens over a time course of weeks or months, whereas the, the oxygen demand happens over a time course of seconds. So sure. you notice that your brain is forcing you to breathe. You don't notice that your brain is forcing you to overeat because it happens over such a protracted time period. Um, but the reality is that, that, that those um, rationalizations that it spins for you on a Friday night when it's been a long week, it's been a hard weekend, you feel like you deserve to go out with the guys or go out with the girls and let loose and have some nachos and have some beer and have some pizza, you know, that rationalization in your head, that's actually certain parts of your brain that are tricking you into eating over overeating. That's the part of your brain that thinks you're starving and is is finding a loophole to, to force you to eat more, essentially, and quieting that part of the brain so it stops duping you into eating more food is the trick, like finding peace. So that's why my book, the tagline for my book is called Happy, Thin, and Free, the science of living happy, thin, and free. And the free part is the key part. I, it's not just about getting thin. If you're thin and still trying to, you know, ration out your, 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 um, you know, your Skittles or your marshmallows or your, your sure. whatever, you know, and um, counting points and how many Weight Watchers one point brownies yeah, can I fit yeah. into this plan. You know, if you're still obsessed like that, that unravels. You need a plan that actually works long term. So um, so th that's the first thing. Take the addiction seriously. You're going to need a bright line for sugar and flour. You can't actually probably do that on your own. It's a very rare person that could just go, OK, I just won't eat sugar and flour. You're going to need a, a system. And, and the system, the reason you can't do that is because the brain also has this maddening quirk to it that the system in the brain in the anterior cingulate cortex that generates our willpower is also the system in the brain that regulates um, the oomph to do all kinds of other things like make decisions or rein in our emotions or make sure we stay on task. And when we're checking email, we're making decisions. When we're in traffic, we're regulating our emotions. When we're with our kids, we're regulating our emotions. When we're working in an Excel spreadsheet, we're yep. you know yep. regulating our task performance. Boom, there's a vending machine. Boom, there's a drive-through. <laughs> and all of a sudden, hard, yeah. our willpower is literally not there. Like we, we, we swore, we pinky swore, we took our measurements, we started the plan, we have the trainer, and all of a sudden, we're stuffing a Big Mac and fries in our mouth going, what happened? And, you know, what happened is you were relying on your brain to magically have willpower available for you 24 7, 365. That's not how your brain works. So it's not so going to do it. So it's not that we're weak no. in a sense. We're not weak. No. Okay. No, you're just relying on your brain to do it, do something it just isn't designed to do. So you I want to feel yourself. good after this podcast at some point. <laughs> at some point. <laughs> so, so here's how you feel good about this. Okay, good. Um, Oh, I, I'm going to ask you now. I've got a 5% chance of embarrassing you here. No, I don't Are care. you ready for uh, that's what 5 I do. chance of being I, I embarrassed? Do, All do right, it. Brian. Um, do you brush your teeth twice a day every day no matter what? No. I, I brush You're 5% then. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I do, I do in the morning always, um, most of the time at night. 
Okay, so you're a morning always guy, yeah. but nighttime is iffy. Okay, five yeah. percent of people don't in in America don't brush their teeth every day, twice a day, no matter what. But yeah. 95% do. You can probably relate to this still if we just talk about morning toothbrushing. So let's just talk about morning toothbrushing. Do you execute morning toothbrushing whether you got two hours of sleep or eight or ten? Yep, all the time. All the time, right? Yep. Whether you're traveling or home. Doesn't matter. I took. Yeah, we just traveled um, to Florida and I took my yeah. toothbrush with me. All right. <laughs> yeah. And do you have a sticky note on your bathroom mirror to remind you to do it? Nope, not at all. Yeah. And do you have to kind of be in the right mood to do it? No, nope, it's not a mood thing. <laughs> I don't have to be happy yeah. to brush my teeth, yeah. Yeah, so that is being executed by the basal ganglia. That's the part of the brain that just executes automatic habits triggered by certain cues, particularly the best cues are, are location and time of day. Um, and it takes zero, literally zero, none at all, cognitive resources to get that done. No willpower, no nope. decision, nope. No, no particular mood, no nothing. It just happens. You know, it happens like getting dressed happens. Just some stuff just happens for free once you've done it often enough. So that sounds like a pretty cool system. It sounds like if we can do it in that sense, if we could make it that automatic or we could figure that out in such a way, it sounds like we could do it for other things as well. Exactly. Okay. And that's what Bright Line Eating does for people with food I is gotcha. we help them set up the system. Now, this takes energy and effort. This is not an, a trivial thing to do. But at the end of the day, what they end up not at the end of one day, but at the end of you know a few months, what they end up having is a system where day after day after day after day, they get to the end of the day. And just like, you know, they brush their teeth without thinking about it. They ate breakfast, lunch and dinner immaculately, perfectly, exactly what they wanted to eat, exactly what was on their plan. They didn't have to think about it they didn't have to fuss over it it just happened and every other bite of food was a no thank you without even giving it a thought in between so that feeling of i guess a lot of people talk to you about this too so that feeling of okay um i mean eating a healthy dinner um and everything's working out great but then it seems like and this is an example for me that right after dinner i'm thinking in my head boy i need something sweet yeah. and so for that does that just because to me that's a cra that's a craving it's something it is that I have craving. to do and it's that, a craving and it's and funny that's... what you said too that reward system is and yeah. I've, I've done this this is awful to admit this on the air but is you know we were in Florida for two days for business and I'm thinking man I've done pretty good with my uh, workouts and I've done pretty good with my food eating these last couple of weeks I think I deserve to eat something really bad yeah totally <laughs> so, but that... well I mean you're you're saying that as if like. 100% of people haven't done the same thing. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, right, you know, right. we've all done that. And um, so those God, just go away. Those just does those. So those cravings, that think that thinking uh, of me as boy, I really need a cookie. And I'm telling you right now, Susan, that it's more than just my brain. It's it. I can feel it. <laughs> like it, so, I don't know, man. But <laughs> it's all being generated by your brain. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. I get that it, like, it, it, the brain turns it into apparently a full body. Feel you that know, chocolate urinate. chip cookie. I'm like, boy, I really need to put that in there. Yeah, and that that's straight up dopamine downregulation talking really? there, Brian. No and, shit. But also, what I want to say about what you just said is that's exactly why people are shooting themselves in the foot while they <clears throat> are exercising. Yeah, right. While they're trying to set up this automatic system, because exercise is absolutely the straw that breaks the camel's back in this system. Now, not long term. Don't don't get me wrong here. I am not an exercise hater. You know, you and I were chit chatting before the show. Yep, you know, I was. This morning with my trainer at 530 in the morning? Absolutely. Um, and I want people to exercise. I just don't want people to exercise while they're first starting their Bright Line Eating program because exercise burns up willpower like nobody's business. It burns up willpower getting to the gym. It burns yeah. up willpower to do the exercise. Yeah. And it creates the most intense compensation effect in the sure. brain. Like I, oh, I worked I, out a bunch today. I'm all set. I can eat whatever brain I want. Now, needs that extra food by the way too <laughs> the research is really robust on this people never believe me but look up the articles there's a mountain of literature on this yeah. exercise is worthless for weight loss exercise the exercise physiology specialist at louisiana state university that's actually a direct quote from his mouth wow. exercise is pretty useless for weight loss it's it's useless you, you, they've done big studies with hundreds of people have some of them kill themselves in the gym and have some of them not they all end up the same weight afterwards and body composition too. They're, the exercisers are not losing more fat. They're just eating more food to stay at the same fat mass. I gotcha. Um, what you weigh is dependent on what you put in your mouth. That's right. And creating a different 
life pattern of eating that's automatic and governed by the basal ganglia is the only way out of that hell. And you've got to give yourself the time to set up that system because it's hard to do. Yeah. It's like, it's like stressing yourself out too much when you're trying to quit smoking. It's like, it's like trying to quit smoke, like exercising while you're trying to lose weight is like trying to quit smoking while you're going through a divorce. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. It's like just freaking bad timing. Wait a year. You know what I mean? It's like, just don't put them t together. Like quit smoking. That's a good thing to do. And if you need to get the divorce, okay, but don't do them at the same time. This is just bad timing. So if you, what you ought to do is maybe just quit smoking and not get divorced then, right? That would help. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that might be, yeah, quitting smoking while you're in that marriage might be hard too. You might need to like handle that first and then quit smoking. That's kind of the best thing. So like get your food plan set up, yep. get it automatic. It's not, you don't have to wait till you've lost all your weight. Like if you've got a hundred pounds to lose, you don't have to wait till they're all gone. You need to wait three or four or five months until your eating is automatic. And during that time, you need to be not making exceptions. Let's talk. Exceptions. Let's talk too, Susan, because I think a lot of people listening to this might be, I think, and you probably get this a lot too, is it, it is hard and correct me if I'm wrong, but it is hard to eat healthy. Um, well, I mean, not for me, it's, 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 and not for the people, not for people who've been doing bright line eating for a long time. It's hard if you have just been, you know, like going with the American flow or the Western diet flow, yeah. you know, yeah. And, Hell yeah, it's hard. Like your brain is fully rewired. It believes you're starving. It's forcing you to eat more food. You have dopamine down regulation that's causing powerful cravings and your busy Western life. I mean, your your podcast is for entrepreneurs, right? These sure. are business people, right? You don't, there, there are no busier people, we're right? Running, so we're running. you're running all the time and you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost impossible. I mean, it's the kind of thing that one one hundredth of 1% of people succeed at. It's that hard. Yeah, it's that hard. Hey everybody, this week's episode is also sponsored by Freshwater Apparel. Check out freshwaterapparel.com, that's freshwaterapparel.com, and check out their spring collection of t-shirts, and soon beanies are going to be on the way. We love these guys over at Freshwater. It's a Midwest clothing company, and they make all their products in Lansing, Michigan, and the shirts are 100% made in america so you can't beat that so if you love fresh water like we do here at michigan creative you should definitely check out their site lots more coming but right now they have t-shirts and tanks for both men and women like i said before beanies are coming stickers all that stuff so check out freshwaterapparel.com and get fresh back to the show all right, let's switch gears a little bit here because now I got to throw my lunch away. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, 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 I'm kidding. It's actually not bad. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit because we do. I, I, I'm fascinated by this, and I'm really fascinated. And, and I think a lot of people get this, but how bad and how addictive that sugar and flour is, and and why that got us to where it is today. And I think a lot of parents listening out there will will totally get this because a lot of them have bad eaters, but we've kind of set ourselves up for failure in that yeah. sense, I guess. Um, and I can see it happen. I've got enough kids. I can see it happening and I can see how that is an easy path to go down. Yeah. I want to talk to you though, a little bit about your company and, and I'm really fascinated by your story in the book because you, I mean, talk about somebody that, that was on, you know, as far down as you possibly could go, uh, and hit rock bottom. I am assuming. Um, yeah. Oh Yeah. August 9th, 1994. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know exactly when it was and where you were, don't you? Tuesday morning, 10 a.m. in a crack house. I remember very clearly. <laughs> That's the name of my next band, Tuesday morning in a crack house. <laughs> it's a good name, man. Yeah, I know, right? You can buy that <laughs> you album. You can have it. I know, Feel great. free. That's sweet. <laughs> so, so you hit it. Yeah. We talk a lot to entrepreneurs and business owners. How are you... Why did you get to where you are today? How did you start your company and why was why did you feel that this is what your direction is and and I want to know about that origin story behind your company? I had no intention of starting a company. Um my intention was to write a book. Um that was the that was the origin of this all. So, um I remember the origin of that too. That was um 5 5:10 mm, a.m. or so on um, January 26th, 2014. Hmm. And I was in my morning meditation. I was meditated from five to five 30. So I was in my morning meditation. It was dark, cold winter, Rochester, New York yep. still. And, um, the universe just put something on my heart, Brian, like hard, just hmm. laid it on me. And, um, what it was, was like a mandate, like a boom. And it said, um, write a book, bright line eating. Really? Yeah. 
And uh, I'd never heard the words bright line eating before. I knew what they meant, though, because I knew I'd just been reading a book that was talking about bright lines in some other psychological context. Um, and I, at that point, had been in a 12-step program for food addiction for 11 years, not eating sugar, not eating flour, weighing and measuring my food, eating three meals a day. So I knew what bright lines when applied to food would look like. I'd never thought of them as bright lines, though. And I also, at that point, was teaching a college course on the psychology of eating. And in that course, um, I had a big unit on the neuroscience of food addiction. I'd been teaching that course for like six years. And I, at that time, also had a, uh, a hobby and avocation in my 12-step program of um, sponsoring people and help. I was probably sure. spending 20 or 30 hours a week. I was helping really others. involved helping other people lose their weight and get over their food addiction. The trouble was no one in my life who was overweight really wanted to do it the way I was doing it. It was so hardcore. It was so militant. And um, three 90-minute meetings a week, they wouldn't let you go to two. Um, it was just brutal and um, pretty dogmatic, pretty unscientific, actually. And, um, you know, but also very loving and wonderful if you were willing to submit to their structure. So in my morning meditation, the kind of the, the, the mandate was like, it was essentially get this word out in a book because I'd been unpacking for years the neuroscience behind why what I was doing with food in this 12-step program, why it was working. Like I was learning about the sugar, the flour, the brain, you know, the rats who are addicted to, to intravenous cocaine oh, yeah, and they yeah. push sugar over yeah. intravenous cocaine, I've you know, the that. crazy stuff like that. Yeah. 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 Like sugar is eight times more addictive than cocaine. That's crazy. <laughs> um, and I'm telling telling you, it's true. From a former crack addict, it's true. What if you like anyway. snorted Skittles? If that would be even <laughs> ten times better, you know? Don't don't suggest it, man. That's okay. just, like if you see if, if you meat and I'm like wiping like orange, you know, <laughs> <Skittles>. crusty <laughs> stuff off my nose. Like, God damn you, son of a bitch! Yeah. <laughs> Look what you did to me. Everything was great till I got on your podcast. <laughs> I know. I'm smushing with the, with the flat side of my <laughs> anyway. Uh, so I got that mandate. Then, so the trouble was, you know, I had no time to write a book. Um, I, you know, I got up at 10 to five every morning to be on my meditation bench, you know, at 5am wow. mm -hmm. and my day went from there. I had three little kids. My, my daughters were, um, five, five and two. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Twins, right. You have four kids. You know what? Five, oh my five. Gosh. Is. I can't Great. imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a tenured psychology professor. I'm teaching five college classes. I'm the assistant chair of the department. Research like there's no too. time yeah, right, in there, yeah. right? So, so, but this was this mandate that couldn't be ignored. So I at literally the next morning, the next morning, I set my alarm for 4.25 a.m. So I could write on my book proposal from 4.30 to 5 before meditating. Look at that. And that's what I did for months. Um, now, in writing that book proposal, I got to the section and I literally just, you know, went to Barnes and Noble that day and got a book called How to Write a Book Proposal, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. And um, in that book, the, the one of the sections further on was you have to write about your platform. And I was like, my what? Yeah. What is that? So I Googled what is a platform and then I went to Barnes and I bought Michael Hyatt's book platform. <laughs> and I, so, and I was, I was getting just more and more discouraged because like, you know, I, I'd made the time to write the book, but now I have to make time to build a platform before an agent is going to take note. So I decided to start an email list. That was the only platform that I could imagine sort of starting. And I started an email list, um, on, on August 5th of 2014, I started my email list and, um, you know, I launched it with a free gift, like they tell you to launch, you know, your, your whatever, a, a pink spoon or a, sure. you know, whatever, yep. a little gift. And um, it was a free report that I spent all summer writing. I probably spent way too long on it, but it's called the three huge mistakes that almost everybody makes when they try to lose weight. Sounds good. And Sounds like a that. winner. <laughs> and um, yeah, people started to download it and, you know, signups were relatively slow by the end of the year. I had like 800 people on my list and then... Um, you know, whatever. And, but what happened was I started writing articles for these folks, emails, but good ones. Like I would, you know, pour my science, my heart, everything into them and people would write back and they, they wanted to, like, I, I introduced them to certain concepts like, um, like the susceptibility scale, which is that not everybody's brain is equally addictable to, to sugar and flour. Like not everybody's brain is equally susceptible. Um, and people wanted to know, how do I find out how susceptible my brain is? So I had to develop an instrument that would uh -huh. measure that. It's one of the you know research projects I did was to develop the susceptibility quiz, and uh, then I got that online. and And then they wanted a they wanted a course. They're like, okay, you you told me you know no sugar no flour, but like how, what's the system? Like I need to know how to do this. So I created the first Brightline Eating Bootcamp, 
And I sold that, you know, in October of 2014. I capped the class size at 40 people because I didn't think, A, I didn't think I'd get 40 people. Right, you didn't think 40 would sign up, right? I didn't didn't think I could do more than that. I was so busy. So, um, yeah, it sold out. And um, I took those first 40 people. You know, that was like the first dollar I'd ever made in little online business. Now I had a business, right? I guess I, I formed the LLC September 9th, 2014, my daughter's birthday, my youngest daughter, Maya's birthday. And, um, it started from there. That's how, that's the origin story. And then, you know, I mean, so then I could do the quickie, like it got super successful, super quick. Right. I mean, um, and you know, my, my husband's the CFO. He doesn't like me to give numbers. Um, how do, how do I get my, my, the growth? Well, you know, within, you know, within a year, my email list was a hundred thousand and within six months, it was 200,000. And now I think, I think since August 5th, 2014, which to date is, um, not three years, right? Two years and whatever, nine months or something. I can't do math, but, um, from it's, I think 450,000 people have signed up for my email list in that time. Wow. So there's, I mean, it's also too, there's, I mean, it just kind of proves what we've been talking about, that there's a need for a fix. I got a really clear niche because yeah. my people, they hear the truth when I talk. They oh, yeah. they know I've been there. I'm not, and I'm not candy coating, no pun intended. Well, pun intended. I'm not candy coating it for them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, want to go eat your pizza and ice cream? God bless you. Like, I'm not in the convincing business. Go do it, you know. But if you are desperate for a solution, I have one, you know. I, I really do. And, you know, follow me and I'll, I'll teach you how to get out of that mess. I really will. Let's talk about some of your success stories. And I think as an educator and now as a CEO, you know, my successes are seeing my people grow and seeing my students do great things and and seeing our company grow and and obviously my kids. What is it for you that makes you go, I'm doing the right thing? I mean, I know you know you're doing the right thing. And I know there's a dramatic need for people to stop eating sugar and the obesity problem in this country is horrific. But you must just get overwhelmed with some of the stories. I know some of the stories in your book that I've been reading are just crazy. I mean, these people are on death's door and if not ready to not move forward. I mean, some people couldn't even walk anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Lynn Colston, the first case story in the mm-hmm. book, she couldn't get down the stairs anymore. She was, she was five, two, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, like, what was she over 250 pounds yeah. and her knees were so bad. She couldn't get down out of the attic. Her husband was bringing her up food all day. Oh my God. <sighs> yeah. Brutal. Um, I mean, you know, it's, um, I come from a 12 step background, you know, and, um, so I, I fundamentally don't see myself as the person helping those people. I know they see it that way. They think I'm helping them, but you know, fundamentally I'm a conduit. You know, like I'm, 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 I'm a packager of, you know, helpful stuff <laughs> and, um, and I, and I make sure it gets to them and I really care. I mean, I, 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 I bust my tail to, to, you know, make my people happy and, um, make sure they're treated well and that they know that they're loved and to make our community a really supportive place. Cause that's the other thing is food addiction just makes you want to isolate and, um, you know, when you fall off the bright lines, you feel so much shame and so much, so hard to show up and show your face in the community again. And, you know, people do it all the time and we just, we love, 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 love them. And we talk about simply resuming. And, um, anyway, I, so I, I mean, but it seems very similar to, as you talk about this 12 step program, it seems very similar to AA in a sense, because you you know, you have this community of people that you go out and drink with and you, and you're at the bars and you drink because there's, and everywhere you look, uh, especially when you stop drinking, everywhere you look, there's an opportunity to drink, especially in business. Yeah. I mean, there's an opportunity that we could go out every night and have business, and and I'm doing air quotes right now, um, and surround <laughs> yourself, you know, and yeah. and there's party stores on every corner. It's very and similar. Food is worse. <laughs> and food is worse, yeah. And food is worse, and so it's very similar to walking into any any place. I mean, a restaurant, yeah. a, a party store, yeah. uh, the grocery store. Um, oh yeah. Grocery stores can be hard at first movie theaters. I mean, oh yeah. Oh, movie theaters. Yeah. I was going to say that because movie theaters, what do you do? You get popcorn, a pop and, and candy and it's a tradition. It's like almost yeah. where your head would go. Well, I have to get this cause I'm going to the movie theater. Yeah. So yeah, I, it's interesting to me how to really put those together. So let's talk real quick here. Give me something I can do. We try to get one piece to every, every time we do a podcast and besides, all right, bright line, I know that's what you're going to say, bright line it, but <laughs> what can I do 
um, today. This is what I want to do today. I want to start heading down this path. Is there something that I can do today with my food, yeah. uh, with my mindset? Yeah. What is it? I got one. I got one simple thing. It takes two minutes a day, and it will revolutionize your life. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I want you to buy a little journal and keep it, keep it by the fridge, or find a little app in your smartphone, make an Evernote or something, yeah. and I want you to write down what you're going to eat the night before. So after dinner, you go to the fridge, you open your little journal, you get your pen. And you're going to write down exactly what you're going to eat the next day. Really? And I don't, I don't, I don't care if there's sugar and flour in there at okay. first. Just right. develop the habit. Like, okay, if you're going to have a cookie, write it down. And then the rule becomes, I don't eat anything that wasn't on that sheet. Like, I eat only and exactly that the next day. Do your best to make it breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You'll be more successful. Do your best to not have sugar and flour in there. Make sure that it's enough food. Don't go eating, you know, a little bit of cottage cheese and some celery for lunch, please. <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, because then you won't be able to get, make it to dinner on the food that you just ate, right? Give yourself enough fuel. If you need to figure it out in my fitness pal to make sure you're eating enough fuel, do that or whatever. But every night, write down what you're going to eat the next day. And then the next day, your job is to eat only and exactly that. That's the that's the beginning of success. I like that. So to diet, we don't have to starve ourselves. No. Okay, good. No. Shoo. You don't. You do need to eat fewer calories than your body needs to subsist on. Otherwise, yeah. it won't burn fat. Right. But um, it, when you're eating enough vegetables, and this is why I have people weigh and measure their food, because otherwise they won't eat nearly enough vegetables, not even close. But people in my program way more often complain that the food is too much and they can't eat it all <laughs> than that um, they're hungry. Because they're getting way more too, a, lot, a lot more vegetables and they're getting f- full. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. All right, so you're a, a professor, a teacher, so you've taught for a long time, and then a couple of years ago you decided to start a business. So we talk about mistakes on here. What were some mistakes you made early on as a business owner not knowing how to do that? Well, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to – so I, I don't actually think this is a mistake in that I actually would have done it differently, mm-hmm. but it was certainly a lesson. I wouldn't have done it differently because I honestly didn't have time to do it differently. This thing grew so fast. I mean, I went yeah. from I went from zero employees to like 18 employees overnight. Now we've oh, got like God. 26 employees, and wow. these are full time benefits, W two employees. So, um, you know, and I'd never employed anybody. I was just figuring out all this shit on you know on the fly, making this <laughs> stuff up as I go along. So, um. But it was a mis- you know it was a mistake to hire people without meeting them. And I'm I have a virtual company. My employees are all over the the world. We don't well mostly I'm in America, but uh, some in Canada. And um, you know we got burned a couple times hiring somebody you know on the phone. And then uh, when I first met them in person, like my breath caught in short. And I oh, just no. something about like the you know that Malcolm Gladwell blink that yeah. blink of yeah. just thin slicing something. It's like I never would have hired them if really? I had met them first. Yeah. And it was just that personal relationship or the... Don't even know. It could have been pheromones. I mean, it was from 20 feet away when I first saw them. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, shit. This is my employee. Yeah. And sure enough, six months later, I was firing them. So, yeah. So now I really try to meet people before I hire them. I still can't always do it because my employees are everywhere. But, um, yeah, I'm a little more careful with my hiring now. But, you know, in general... I haven't, it's been a bit of a Cinderella story. I haven't right. made a lot of mistakes yet. I, I recently, actually this morning, just had to fire a contractor that I'd paid $35,000 for something that he's no longer going to execute for me. And that that's money I'm not going to get back. Uh-huh. And I'm not going to pursue getting it back. And, um, you know, if I, he, he had one competitor in the marketplace. And if I, I had a really strong recommendation from a really so safe. top, for you know good friend like mentor yeah. who said this is the best guy in the business go with him and so i just did and if i'd have spent any time investigating his competitor i would have gone with his competitor really? like it wasn't even, wasn't even close like he was going to charge me 95 grand all in to do the job his competitor would have cost would have cost 30 and his competitor had far more experience and better customer support on the back end and my publisher would have recommended the competitor if i'd have just asked if i'd have spent any time like even an hour doing some due diligence on it but i took that one recommendation from that one mentor and yeah. just hired him and it just turned into a fucking nightmare yeah that's good advice uh, sometimes we pull the trigger as business owners a little too quick just because we think we're too busy or yeah so yeah that's good advice 
I want to talk about work-life balance. I don't love that term. I say that all the time on the show because I hate it. It drives me crazy because if you do love what you do, and you do, I'm sure, um, that's, that kind of goes hand in hand. But you got to have some time when you turn it off, especially with three children. I think, how do you do that? And, and how do you, you know, really be there for your family? Is that something that's hard for you? Or how? give us some ways that you're able to shut off the business, especially with you. You have two careers, basically, right? No, I, I, well, I quit being a professor, um, okay. for a while and now I've just, I've just gotten a position at the university of Rochester as a adjunct associate professor of brain and cognitive sciences. But what's cool about that is they're not making me teach. They're not making me do research. I just have a, I have a carte blanche position basically to contribute to the college as cool. my business does. And yeah. I don't, so I'm not, no, I'm not doing two careers. Good. I'm, I'm the CEO and that's it. Um, yeah, I mean, work like you heard me laugh when you yeah, brought up the I topic, I right? It. I mean, <laughs> I like to say um, it. I like to say it though, because then I can say I hate it. So I like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, I guess I could say a few things about this. Number one is, you know, I've been working my ass off. I mean, like, geez, I've been working really hard. It is, it is not nothing to take, you know, an email list from zero to four hundred and fifty thousand, no. and a right. company from zero to twenty-five employees in two years. That's that's that takes some work, um, and. Um, I guess what I can say is there was a big shift working with my life coach, my coach, uh, extraordinaire, Clive Prout, um, when we reframed all that busyness and hard work to be fully, completely a choice. Like we created this narrative, which is I'm choosing yeah. to keep my foot on the accelerator that right now. That makes a lot of sense because then you're – that's what you're doing. And you're not like, Ugh, you know, yeah, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. No, no, no. Yeah. Mine I mean, I wasn't like, Ugh, anyway, because I, I'm, sure. I'm on fire with this stuff, but I, you know, I definitely would have moments of crying in the fetal position on the floor. And I would definitely <laughs> have moments of like getting tired of my narrative to my friends of like, I'm so busy. I don't have any time. Like I was tired of that. Like, shut up, Susan. You're, de you're defining what's happening in your world. Yeah, you, you know? Want, so if, yeah, if you don't want to do it and it's too much, then yeah, stop exactly. Doing it. And, and I kept coming back to, but I do, I, you know, I don't want to make different choices <laughs> right, right now. Yeah. Is what I kept coming back to so is I'm not going to stop that. Exactly. So when I finally realized, you know, that the narrative is I have my foot on the accelerator and, you know, in, in the not too distant future, I'll probably choose a different pace right now. This is the pace I want to go at. Yep. And there's downsides, right? There would be downsides to growing it, the business slower. Um, right now, um, I'm choosing to grow it fast and take those downsides, which are that my time is pretty crunched right now. Sure. And I'm cool with that right, right. now. Now, my kids, um, well, one of the things we did is we hired my mom full time. Nice. We took my mom, you know, we took, just took her away from her career. She wanted to retire anyway, and we, we replaced her full salary, full benefits. And now she, um, so, and, and my husband quit. My husband was in finance. He had a good job in finance and corporate valuation. He was almost partner, um, and he walked away from that lock wow. stock barrel mm -hmm. he's the cfo cool. of our company um but honestly that takes 20 20 hours a week you know what i mean so my mom has 100 percent of her time um to be with the kids and my husband has you know 80 percent of his time so he does all the laundry he does most of the dishes Atta he boy. does you know and my mom picks up the kids from school and make sure their homework is done and all that stuff. So, you know, I come in and do the bath time routine and snuggle and read a story and Very nice. bed, but you know, really, um, you know, I get a lot of help, I guess is the answer. Mm -hmm. Good. No, that's good. I mean, and what an opportunity that you have to, you know, to give your mom to be able to spend time with their grandkids. I mean, that's something that doesn't happen very often. I mean, so it's really, you're trading off things, but you're almost trading, trading up in a sense. I mean, your husband now is get to, gets to work with you and has more time with the kids. So totally. yeah, very cool. Let me, let me tell you one other trick that I learned that people might like, yeah. um, about unplugging from work. Um, I'm an extrovert. So when I unplug from work, I want to actually like talk to my friends and like, yep. you know, stuff offline with my friends. But my cell phone is a conditioned reinforcer for overwork, right? Sure. It's got all the apps on there that, that trigger me for my work. And so what I ha did was when my cell phone was due to be swapped in not that long ago, I kept it and put it on a separate phone line. 
kept my contacts in there, kept everything in there, and then and then removed all the work apps. So I created an off-the-grid cell phone. Very so when cool. I need a day off, yeah. I tell my team, I'm off the grid. If you know how to reach me, you have that number, but please don't unless the you know, the house is burning down and I can then call my friends or check, you know, something on the internet or like all the leisure apps are still on there and I have this other phone to use. So that is just a cool trick. Yeah. I like that a lot because, you know, I have seen myself do that at some of the games that I've gone to with my kids and stuff too. And there's always something on my phone that's related to work. And so I want to check and see what this is doing and see what this is doing. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Hi everybody. Brian here real quick. This episode of The Business Machine is sponsored by the one and only Michigan Creative. That's right. Michigan Creative sponsors this Business Machine podcast for now. So if you have other sponsors that would be willing to sponsor our little Business Machine podcast, it's a great resource for business owners across the globe. And this one is sponsored by us here at Michigan Creative. Michigan Creative is a full-service marketing and design firm in Lansing, Michigan. We provide mobile-friendly websites, digital marketing, video production, branding, graphic design, and much, much more. So we'd love to work with you uh, wherever you are, and we really just want to talk to you. So if you want to just talk to us here at Michigan Creative, you can call me. My cell phone is 517-899-4533, or just visit michigancreative.com. All right, back to the show. All right, let's get into the questions here. I know you got to run, but what is your, give us a favorite quote that you like. What is a quote that you use or you like and you want to share with our audience? Yeah, you know, one of my online business mentors, Ryan Eliason, once said, and he wasn't quoting somebody, he was just saying something. Um, He said, there's always time for what's most important. And then he said, that's not a slogan. It's a truism. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just true. There's always time for what's most important. And I thought about that really deeply. And I realized, you know, it's like me getting up at 425 a.m. to write that book proposal, you you know, or the, yeah. There's always time for what's most important. Yeah, I know. And you hear people complain there's not enough time. Well, what time? Get up 20 minutes early. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Do 20 or like minutes the work. CEO who you couldn't get on his calendar for six months, the CEO of a Fortune 50 company, right? right. But he's divorced and, he, you know, his eye catches some woman and all of a sudden he's got time to buy her flowers. Absolutely. He's got time to fly to Paris with her, you know? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> so. You can make time yeah. for that. Oh, yeah. That's you right. You can always make time for that. We've uh, talked about a lot of business books today, and there's um, a lot of business books that we could read, but give me one that I'm going to read more than the first 20 pages. A business book? All right. Or I'm, a book I'm or a gonna... self-help book or whatever <laughs> yeah. you suggest besides your own. What? You know, I really liked Triggers, hmm. um, Marshall Goldsmith. Um, that was the number one New York Times bestseller last year, I think. And um, what I like about it is, you know, he and I are right in alignment around behavior change. You know, he helps executives to, you know, change their behavior, whatever it is. And uh, he doesn't get paid unless the changes happen. I think it, I think the way he, he structures his fee is that he gets paid zero unless all the people around the executive agree that they've seen remarkable really? change. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I like especially about that book is it explains why human behavior change is so hard and it doesn't even get into the brain science of food. You know, that's the hardest behavior to change is how you, how you eat. But Marshall and I had a great talk the other day. He endorsed my book, um, Bright Line Eating, because he, he, we're just two peas in a pod. The whole like right. the, the, the behavior, like human behavior change, it's really hard. Like habits are really hard to change. Before we get into the last question, I'm interested. I hear this podcast and I want to get some information and get in touch with you and start that program. What's the best way to do that? And how can I best get in touch with you and start Bright Line Eating? Uh, well, of course, buy the book, right? I mean, that's easy. But um, And there's a great audio book version of it. But I would say just go to brightlineeating.com. So if people can't hear what we're saying, it's B-R-I-G-H-T-L-I-N-E. Those are two words, though. Brightlineeating, E-A-T-I-N-G.com. And at the top of that page... Um, there's a quiz, the susceptibility quiz. So you can find out how susceptible your brain is to the pull of addictive foods. And that, then I start to walk you down a path of, okay, what's your best path to food freedom given how your brain behaves? Yeah, I'm not going to take that quiz. (laughs) (laughs) I know exactly what that's going to turn out. No, I'm going to. I'm actually going to because it's fascinating to me because I'm right in that. I mean, I'm pretty healthy. I eat pretty good. But there there are times when I go down that that road. You talk about those cravings, Brian, in like pretty full-bodied terms there. Oh, yeah. 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 It's not pretty. All right. Last question. Um, What do you think or what do you hope your legacy is 
And that's a big question, but what do you, what do you hope 10, 20, 30 years down the road? What do you hope that you've done? Um, well, um, I hope that anyone anywhere who's desperate to get off their weight and really change their relationship with food and live free, free from the food, free from the food obsession, free from the excess weight, um, knows about bright line eating, knows that there's a roadmap and, um, you know, has access to it, access fundamentally. Um, and then I also hope that, um, through my work or shit through someone else's work. I don't care. I just yeah. want the change to happen, right? right? But but what I hope is that society has changed in some fundamental ways. Number one is as a society, we're starting to really understand um, the addictive pull of sugar and flour. And I hope that we're starting to understand that not everybody's equally affected. And that's why some people are like, I don't, I don't think she's right about that. I can eat a cookie and walk away. And it's like, well, dude, that's the kind of brain you have, not the rest of us you know well, what i mean that, so people talk about that too with alcohol it's the same thing like somebody can go and have a few beers and be fine and that's it but some can't exactly mm-hmm. exactly so mm-hmm. we need to like take our understanding of food addiction to that level and then the next logical thing is i want us to have a society where when someone says at thanksgiving as the pie is going around no thanks i don't eat sugar <gasps> People don't say, come on, it's Thanksgiving. You're not going to let go of your diet on Thanksgiving. What kind of schmuck are you? Right. You know, in the same way that I hope today we're living in a society where on New Year's Eve, if some, if the champagne's getting poured into the flute glasses and you hold up your hand, and you say, oh, no, thanks. I don't drink. Someone's not going to be an asshole and push you to drink. Sure. You know, yeah. so we need to make that shift because, you know, you know, w- food is causing way more damage to us. Um personally but also as a society collectively economically we can't afford to keep doing this so i i hope that those changes have happened and god i'd love kids menus to be different i'd like i'd like us to understand what we're doing to our kids with you know with the kids menus and restaurants and with the expectations of cake and stuff all the time at birthdays and all that it's just really hard to raise good eaters in this society it'd be nice if there was some understanding of what we're doing to our kids and some shift there too. Are, are you hopeful? Are you hopeful that that can happen? It seems like a very yeah. huge mountain. Uh, and, and it seems to me, and, and maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong that it's too late. Is it, is it not too late? Can we, can we get there? No, we can get there. And I'm super hopeful actually. I mean, in the same way that, that we, you know, over a period of 30 years experienced a complete sea change with That's cigarettes, true. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's going to take that, but it's already happening. I mean, sure. pe- sugar is starting to be really out there as the as the demon that it is and i i i'm not i'm not saying we should eliminate it from our society i just want it to be treated more like cigarettes where if you're going to partake do it kind of in the privacy of your own environment go get your donuts and go eat them in your <laughs> private you know whatever but just don't leave a box of them out in the lunchroom right. and think that you're doing people a favor so hey you know? brought donuts right okay no that makes sense that makes sense well, Susan, I really enjoyed this conversation. I think it's something that's always top of mind for a lot of us, and especially with us that have children and employees and, and people that depend on us too. And, and my wife's in healthcare, and I mean, this is a problem that's you know run rampant not only in our state but in our country. So I really appreciate your time, and I think everybody should go out and take that quiz and go to brightlineeating.com. And, and she does have a book on there, and I would definitely download that. Even if you're thinking, I, I don't need to lose a ton of weight, it's an interesting read and, and reach out to her. And Susan, I really thank you for all you've done for the people that you've worked with and, and what you're doing today. So thanks a lot for being on our show today. Thanks, Brian. Such a pleasure. Cool. And we'll have all that into the show notes, links to her website and contact and all that information that you can check out on the businessmachine.show. And Really enjoyed this one, and thank you so much for being on the show, and thank you guys for listening. And remember, a great leader makes everyone around him or her better than they are. Thanks, guys, and I'll see you on the next show.